I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report direct message for today, June 8th, 2021. As always, click that subscribe button, tap that notification bell, share our videos, and note mentally that we now clip the direct messages usually into two or three segments that we put out for smaller bites throughout the day. So you can always go to youtube.com slash Rubin Report and uh, see what's what. And of course we repost everything ad-free and without algorithmic manipulation at rubenreport.locals.com. I'm feeling good today. I've got some uh, stories that are gonna enlighten you. And, uh, and I think, as I said yesterday at the close of the show, I think there's some good trends and I'm gonna focus on those trends. First off, uh, today we're gonna be discussing Kamala Harris, who is the Vice President of the United States. This is a woman who was polling at 0% within her own party when she stepped out of the presidential race, but then Joe Biden chose her to be his running mate. Why? I have no idea, I wouldn't wanna speculate. Uh, well, she is in Guatemala, and she's warning people not to come to our border. Sounds very Trumpian. Very bizarre, we're gonna show you some video on that. Then, on the good news that I was just alluding to, uh, remember Barack Obama, he was the two-term president a while back before the orange guy? Uh, well, Obama is now being trotted out there to do interviews uh, to sort of attack the Republicans and kind of attack white people, and they got him to comment on critical race theory, and the fact even that this interview happened, even that he brought this topic up, I think shows you that we're kind of winning because now they're busting out the old all-stars. It's like, it's like old timers game and they're bringing out the old guys for the greatest hits. And I think it shows you that we're actually making some headway here. So we'll talk about that. And then finally, you may remember this New York Times journalist by the name of Mara Gay. We talked about her a couple weeks ago because she interviewed Andrew Yang for the New York Times and she basically called me a white supremacist. She said that I regularly host white supremacists on the Dave Rubin Show, which isn't even the name of this show. We tried to get a retraction and a correction, but they don't do that at the New York Times because it's not a place of journalism. Well, anyway, she was on MSNBC, I think it was this morning, and uh, she was triggered. She was triggered because you're not gonna believe this. She was out in Long Island I'm from Long Island, I know about Long Island. It is, the, it is the place of bagels and pizza, okay? A lot of carbs on Long Island. She was out on Long Island and she saw people in pickup trucks. They had American flags, okay? They were waving around American flags, driving down the LIE, the Long Island Expressway, probably heading out to the Hamptons, okay? And they had American flags and it just freaked her out. We'll talk about all of that and more in just a second. But I wanna talk to you guys right now about Bonner Private Wine. You ever go out to a BBQ joint? I was actually just at one in Austin, Texas a couple days ago, uh, and the next day you're still digesting all the meat. You know that feeling? Well, here's a tip. Drink some red wine, guys. Not only does it taste great, but red wine actually makes you digest meat more effectively. In fact, according to some studies, it even makes red meat healthier. But not all red wines are equal. You don't want to you don't want some mass market red wine full of chemicals and pesticides. Instead, you need to check out the Extreme Altitude Malbec from Argentina. Extreme Altitude means grapes grown at around 9,000 feet. They're fed off pure snowmelt, no excess chemicals, with notes of blackberry leather, smoke and dark cherry. This wine is delicious. As you know, I'm doing the tri-tips lately. 
and I've been busting out the Malbecs. The guys over at freethinkerwine.com are telling me they just got another special shipment of these wines in, including one from the third highest vineyard in the world. My audience can get 50% off if you go there today. Just visit freethinkerwine.com. That's a website they set out, set up just for us. That's freethinkerwine.com. And now back to me. All right, we got a lot to get to and I'm feeling good. Here we go. So first off, Kamala Harris, she's down in Guatemala and uh, she doesn't want people coming to the US. Very bizarre position for a Democrat to take, especially knowing that we've got video of you when you were running for president, Kamala, and we're gonna get to that in just a sec, but here's Kamala yesterday. Just quickly put a button. Do you have any plans to visit the border? At some point, you know, we are going to the border. We've been to the border. So this whole, this whole, this whole thing about the border, we've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. And I haven't been to Europe. And I I don't, I don't understand the point that you're making. I'm not discounting the importance of the border. Okay, sorry, I did the clips backwards there. So that's obviously her talking to Lester Holt and she's implying that she's been to the border. He's like, no, you haven't been to the border. And then she's like, oh, well, uh, we're going. Also this way she conflates our Southern border with Europe, meaning she hasn't gone there either. It's like, well, people aren't just walking across that Atlantic Ocean thing and just walking into our country. We know that now thousands of people are doing this and that our border facilities are overrun and there are kids in cages. We used to care about that. It was like Auschwitz, now we don't really care. AOC's pretty quiet on all that stuff. But now let's throw to this video of Kamala in Guatemala with a message for people who wanna come to the United States. I want to be clear to folks in this region who are thinking about making that dangerous trek to the United States-Mexico border. Do not come. Do not come. We have always presented ourselves as being a nation of strength with strong arms that when people are fleeing harm, we will embrace them. But look at what has happened with this administration. There are children who are fleeing murder capitals of the world. Let's be clear about this. Imagine a mother who makes a decision to pay a coyote to transport her child across the entire country of Mexico, facing unknown peril. She does that because she believes for that child to stay where they are is worse. Okay, so what we did there was juxtapose two videos. The first one, of course, was her yesterday in Guatemala, where she's basically telling people not to come and nothing good's gonna happen here in the US. Uh, The other one was her as a candidate. And again, she polled at zero when she dropped out uh, of the presidential race. And at that point, of course, she's telling people, yeah, you can come and we've got to take care of people and everything else. Now I get it, politicians all lie. Republicans lie too, conservatives lie too. Um, But the difference here is that for four years, we were told what a racist and a bigot and a white supremacist Donald Trump was, right? He wanted to build a wall. He didn't want immigrants to come here illegally. He would often talk about how he was pro-immigrant and actually wanted them to come legally, just not illegally. Um, So it's a little extra odd, the hypocrisy, when it's a Democrat who is just calling the other guy racist, is now just repeating the same exact things that Donald Trump has been saying for a long time. And you're not gonna believe it, we've got receipts. Here's Donald Trump on immigration. And they've gotta stop letting people come in illegally. I love people coming into the country legally, that's fine. But we have to stop illegal immigration in this country. 
We have people coming into the country, and I'm not talking Mexico, I'm talking from all over the world. We have no idea where they came from, who they are, what they did. You see? You see what just happened there? That's Donald Trump in the midst of his presidency, I think that's about two years in, saying the same thing that he said for all the four years, which is I'm not anti-immigrant, but I'm anti-illegal immigrant. We gotta know where these people are coming from, what they're doing, blah, 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 blah. And that's what they were calling him racist for, for four years. He was a racist white supremacist. Kamala Harris is now saying the exact same thing. And dare, dare I give AO freaking C credit, but AOC knows that Kamala is a hypocrite. Here's what AOC tweeted to Kamala. This is disappointing to see. First, seeking Asylum at any U.S. border is a 100% legal method of arrival. Second, the U.S. spent decades contributing to regime change and destabilization in Latin America. We can't help set someone, someone's house on fire and then blame them for fleeing. So I wanna put aside the secondary part there because of course AOC always wants to figure out a way to blame the United States for everything, right? No matter what happens in the world, AOC and Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib and the Hamas caucus, they wanna figure out a way to always blame us. Uh, at the same time, also telling us how, you know, the United States is racist, we're systemically racist, we're evil and patriarchal and capitalism is wrong and all of those things. But we should also let everyone in because I guess the horrors that we have pale, into the, pale in comparison to the horrors that they've got. Uh, but I sort of like the fact that at least she was somewhat calling out the hypocrisy of Kamala Harris there. And again, when we talk about the hypocrisy thing, the hypocrisy thing, it goes both ways. Politicians are hypocrites. Politicians need power. They say whatever they can to get into power. But this shows you why the false cries of racism and bigotry that have basically been set as the norm in politics, if you don't like what someone says, you, you falsely call them a bigot or a racist or a homophobe or whatever it is, it shows you how absolutely dangerous it is because Trump was not a bigot and not a racist and if you think that he was, then you basically think that Kamala Harris is a bigot and a racist. Now, every single country, and this is exactly what I said for all the years that Trump was president, and I said it for years that Obama was president before that, every single country has a duty and a right to defend its borders as it sees fit. Every nation is allowed to let in people or not let in people. You don't want nations that don't let people out. That's where it starts getting dangerous. That's kind of like the, the Germany you know, Nazi thing, that's kind of like North Korea now. You don't want to trap people here. You want freedom of movement, but every country can decide how many people they want to let in, or if you have to have relatives that are already in the country, or if you have to have a job ready for you. We've got so many problems here. Uh, homelessness, economy, drug use, a lot of stuff's going on in America right now. It would be okay if, in my humble opinion, if we were like, uh, you know, we're actually not going to let anyone in for a little while. We got to sort things out. You know what I mean? Like if your whole house is on fire, you don't welcome everybody in at the exact same time. If we just took a pause and we're like, boy, we have to figure some of this stuff out because we've got real major problems here. And I think there was a pandemic or something for a year and a half. And that seems to be wrapping up now, now that it's no longer politically expedient for the powers that be. Um, so I think, I think you get the point here. Either Kamala Harris owes Donald Trump an apology or she's just come out as a racist. I, can only see those as the two options. It's, it's very bizarre. Um, or could it possibly be that Donald Trump was never a racist in the first place and they've just used the worst sort of political attacks to attain power? Could that be? Could I 
be so cynical as to think such a thing? Hmm. Well, think about it. Uh, anyway, let's talk about Barack Obama. He was the two-term president before the orange guy. And, you know, he's been somewhat quiet over the years. You know, he chimed in every now and again uh, during the Trump presidency, but actually not too much. And in my opinion, that's what a good president should do. George W. Bush has been very quiet post-presidency. You know, they've worked on things. There were, remember, during some of the hurricanes, we had Bill Clinton, they trotted him out with George W. And, and you know, they can work on sort of humanitarian things together. But personally, I think it's pretty good when a president basically says, hey, I did my thing and now I'm gonna sort of back out. Or you could be a statesman in like a, a bigger sense without getting lost in the mire and muck of politics. Uh, and Obama's actually been pretty decent about it. Not great, and, and it's, he's come out a little bit more lately. Anyway, he just did an interview, and you need to take a look at this because uh, he's gonna blame a lot of stuff on, you're not gonna believe it, the right-wingers in the media, of course, you know, that right-wing media machine, it's so ubiquitous and everywhere, because there's no left-wing media machine, right? Most of culture isn't left-wing pushing all this nonsense on us. Uh, but then he really makes the point of, you know, it's those racist white people that really have the problems. But don't take my words for it, Barack Obama. I also think that there are certain right-wing uh, media venues, for example, that monetize and capitalize on stoking the fear and resentment of uh, a white population that is witnessing a changing America and seeing uh, demographic changes and, and do everything they can to give people a sense that um, uh, their way of life is threatened and that people are trying to take advantage of them. And we're seeing it right now, right, where uh, you would think with all the public policy debates that are taking place right now that, you know, the Republican Party would uh, be engaged in a significant de debate about uh, how are we going to deal with the economy and what are we going to do about climate change and what are we going to do about... Lo and behold, the, the single most uh, important issue to them apparently right now is critical race theory. Who knew that that, <laughs> that was the threat to our republic? Man, I got to tell you, I, I voted for Obama twice. I, I don't regret things in life because I think you learn things by past mistakes. But I would say it was a mistake voting for that guy. You can see the way through his very calm, cool demeanor and the way that I'm sort of right about everything because of the way I talk about everything. Uh, that underneath it is actually a very dangerous person. Because first off, he's saying that it's right-wing media that monetizes these things. Now, the idea of that is just so on its face ridiculous. Left-wing media is absolutely everywhere, pretty much controls everything. And we all know that the culture war that is raging right now is finally that a couple, say, right-leaning or conservative voices or whatever you want to consider me, are pushing against the giant thing that has been monetized through corporations. Corporations love Black Lives Matter. Corporations love Pride Month. Corporations love Antifa and all of this gender nonsense and everything else. So the idea that it's right-wing media monetizing on people's fears is crazy. It's actually left-wing media doing it, which we're gonna get to in the next story in just a second. Left-wing media is monetizing on everyone's fears of white supremacy, which doesn't even exist. There are no structures of white supremacy in the United States. There are no political people. Show me someone in the United States government who is a white supremacist, who literally wants laws that are different for white people. These people don't exist. 
These, so he's actually, they're doing what they do with everything, which is a complete 180 lie. You're taking what you do, which is racialize everything, and you're making it seem that it's the scary right-wing white people that are doing it. Then he says, well, Republicans should be focused on the economy or climate change, not critical race theory. Now, why would Barack Obama want to diminish the danger that is critical race theory, which in essence is now the driving force behind the Democratic Party. It's because he's obviously for it and, and wants you to take your eye off the ball. And yes, we should all be against critical race theory, and it is not misguided on the part of Republicans or conservatives to not want their children taught in school that America is fundamentally racist, that systemic racism is real, that things like being on time and hard work and getting math questions correct are, are tools of white supremacy. Uh, you would want children to be taught that their skin color doesn't matter as opposed to is the thing that matters most. So in some ways it is the most important thing because it's the thing that's here to destroy everything else. Critical race theory is here to ultimately destroy the economy, right? Critical race theory doesn't want an economy that runs on capitalism and free markets and, and freedom of choice and all of those things and human ingenuity. It wants giant systems of socialism and Marxism. These are obvious things. So to link these things together, I may think a lot of things about Barack Obama, but I don't think he's an idiot. It's fairly obvious why he wants critical race theory taught in school, and it's and it's pretty freaking dangerous. Um, so he's lying about what the media does, and he's lying about actually what critical race theory is, is his point, because otherwise, what is his point, right? Is his point that we should be teaching critical race theory, which if it is, then, then he's been fully unmasked as a Marxist, which that, I guess that would be news, right? In a normal time, it would be news if the former president of the United States fully came out as a Marxist. Or is he, he's trying to simply diminish it so that it can keep squeaking its way through. So, I mean, oh, and also white America voted for him. He's talking about white America. White America voted for you twice, Barry. Yeah, and nobody cared what your first name sounded like or what your last name sounded like, or nobody cared that your dad was from Kenya or any of those things. I voted for you twice. It had nothing to do, I think, with you being black or anything else, right? Like. I voted for you because I thought you were better than the other guys, John McCain and Mitt Romney. In retrospect, I think the country would be a lot better off if either one of them, and Romney's, I think Romney's horrible now, right? Because Romney's just a pet Republican. Well, well I can go on MSC, NBC and they'll pat me on the head and give me a cookie, or, or cookie, like Brian Stelter yesterday. Um, anyway, I think you guys see my point. I mean, the, his implication is that America is fundamentally racist and these racist people are losing control. And it's like, Barry, the racist people voted for you. This, this meme of white supremacy is so spectacularly wrong and dishonest, and that's a perfect segue to our third story. So you may remember on the show yesterday, I talked about the idea of laundering lies, that this is in essence what the media is doing. So I was talking about it yesterday in the context of uh, Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, on Brian Stelter's show, you know, the most ironically named show in the history of television, Reliable Sources, and what Stelter was asking was, in effect, what could we, what could we as the media do to help the messaging of the presidency more? What could journalists do better? And it was idea laundering because you would never ask that of the people you're supposed to be holding to account. So they just launder their lies and then it sort of seems like news. Oh, the press secretary was on with Stelter and it's on CNN, it kind of seems like news, but in effect, they're just laundering a lie. Well, I got a perfect, perfect example of it to show you right now. So before I show you the clip, this is MSNBC, 
And they did a segment on a Washington Post op-ed by, by a guy by the name of Max Boot. And he's just sort of a never Trump Republican, which again, it's just one of these pet Republicans. You'll never defend any sort of conservative idea, but they let you go on MSNBC and they treat you like a pet and you get your cookie and you go home and you never actually accomplish anything or defend any of your purported ideas or anything like that. I would say this is sort of like Bill Kristol or David Frum, these, or the Lincoln Project people. These are just ineffectual, sort of nobodies. Nobody likes them except the MSNBC people that use them as pets. Well, he wrote a piece in Wa Washington Post called too many people are underestimating the Trump threat. So here you have a, a guy writing a piece in Washington Post about the Trump threat. Now that sounds very scary. Then on MSNBC, they analyze this very piece that he wrote and they bring in a journalist from the New York Times. Her name is Mara Gay uh, to analyze this Trump threat. Now, before I show you the clip, you may remember, as I said earlier, Mara Gay just a few weeks ago was interviewing Andrew Yang uh, in the New York Times and said that me, Dave Rubin, that I regularly host white supremacists. I tweeted at her many times asking her for clarification on that. Of course, she did not respond. We also gave away a month free to anyone who signed up uh, at the Rubin Report community in honor of Mara Gay. I think we used Mara. It was code Mara uh, at the time. Uh, so I thank you for that, Mara. Uh, she also got the name of the show wrong. She called it the Dave Rubin Show. We couldn't get a retraction or a correction or anything because th these people aren't journalists. They're just human jokes that show up on these shows. But anyway, uh, she then, so you have a Washington Post writer who writes an op-ed, then MSNBC covers that very op-ed, who's written, you know, it's written in effect by an activist, a Democratic activist. It's then covered in MS on MSNBC and they bring in a New York Times journalist to analyze it. And you're not gonna believe it. This woman was on Long Island and they had American flags. Video. I was on Long Island this weekend, uh, visiting a really dear friend, and I was really disturbed. I saw, you know, dozens and dozens of pickup trucks with, uh, you know, uh, explicatives against Joe Biden uh, on the back of them, yep. uh, Trump yep. flags, and some cases just dozens of American flags, which, you know, uh, is also just disturbing because essentially the message was clear. It was, this is my country. This is not your yep. country. I own this. And so until we're ready to have that conversation, this is going to continue. I think she means expletives, not explicatives, but I don't wanna be a white supremacist by correcting anyone's English. Um, but look, I come from Long Island. One of the good things, I think one of the things that actually made me who I am, the reason that perhaps you watch this show, is that Long Island is actually a wonderfully diverse place where you're outside of New York City, you know, about 45 minutes outside of New York City, so it's the suburbs of the big city. And what you got there was so many people who were second and third generation Americans whose parents, you know, grew up basically in Queens and Brooklyn in tenement houses and small apartments, just like my grandparents, you know, one bedroom, six kids. Uh, and, and then eventually through hard work in the American dream, they got their families to be able to move out to the suburbs. My family is literally an example of the American dream. And so many people, whether they were Irish or Italian or Jewish or black or Hispanic or whatever it is, all did that on Long Island. Long Island's sort of the best example of what America could be in a certain sense and then have that proximity to the big city where the, the further generations who then, then were middle class could go and, and follow their dreams. And some crazy kid from Long Island could try to do stand-up comedy in New York City for years and then eventually do something that led to something pretty decent in 2021. Yeah, this guy. Um, it's a beautiful place, Long Island. Anyway, her fear, first off, that there were people with trucks 
with with uh, anti-Biden messages on the 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 trucks, I suppose, or the flags. First off, I just don't believe that. I mean, there may have been one or two that she saw, but like, are, have any of you, anyone watching this, seen lots of trucks driving around? Like, can I say the F word? Screw, we don't want to get demonetized. Susan Wojcicki, screw old Joe Biden. Have you seen that flag? Have you seen that flag? No. When Trump was president, everywhere you went, there were pictures of Trump as a Nazi and crossing out his face and giving him a mustache and all of those things. But, but further, it's really the flag part here that's disturbing. A, I think she's just mostly making this stuff up, but she has what I think is, and I don't mean to make this about her. It, doesn't, it really doesn't matter about her, and I don't even care what she said about me. But, but the idea that a New York Times journalist goes on MSNBC to comment on a Washington Post story shows you how they launder the lies. And that then she gets up there and she fears the American flag. And, and don't take my word for it. Listen to what she's saying. When she sees the American flag, that somehow triggers a thought in her mind about white supremacy. And then you can sort of link it back to what Obama just said, that you know these the white people are getting nervous and that they, I don't know, they pray to the American flag to keep what they've lost. Like it's just a bunch of, of self-serving myopic drivel. That really is what it is. And in some ways, Mara, you're the racist. You're the racist. Nobody cares what color you are. I, I wish you well in whatever it is that you're doing, right? Like, that's great. You work at the New York Times. It's a crumbling place of journalism, and you're not a very good journalist, but, like, great for you to have that job. That, that's just fantastic. So I don't mean to make this about you, Mara, but the point is you're obsessed with race. So it's, do you think it's possible? Could it be possible that people... I know this is crazy. I'm gonna need a little bit of a leash here, people. Do you think it's possible that somewhere in America there are some people who are proud of the American flag and proud of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and this wonderful country that we've had for 250 years that have give, has given more freedom to more people than could have ever been imaginable? Do you think there are some people that are worried that, that we're losing that, not having anything to do with race, but that we're actually trading in equality for equity. We're erasing our own history and demolishing the things that freed people uh, in the name of your crazed social justice. And it has nothing to do with them being racist. It has, them, has everything to do with them caring about freedom and liberty and that kind of stuff. Do you think that that's possible? And, and the answer, I suspect, and Mara, you're welcome to come on the show to tell me this yourself, but I suspect her answer would be no because they see everything in a racialized world. But I can tell you this, when I went to Donald Trump rallies and I went to a few here in crazy lefty California, in the heart of Los Angeles, in Beverly Hills, bananas Beverly Hills, I saw American flags everywhere. I saw Trump flags, I saw all sorts of stuff, I saw gay flags, and everybody was really nice. And I didn't see any racist people. So I think it's possible that the American flag stands for something other than race and that you're, unfortunately, you're in some sort of requiem for a dream where you see the American flag and it makes you think that everyone's racist. Not good. Uh, and now this is a little bit of a cheap shot, but you know, it's YouTube. What am I going to do? If you don't remember who Mara Gay is, well, here she is uh, doing some math on MSNBC with Brian Williams. And of course, if you don't remember Brian Williams, he was the NBC anchor. He was once on NBC Nightly News, the primetime anchor at 6.30 p.m. They caught him lying and his punishment was to have to host a show on MSNBC. That's a beautiful thing. So she went on his show. You may remember this from a couple months back. But you see it as a possibility if he wants to spend a billion bucks beating this guy, 
He could do it. Absolutely. Um, somebody tweeted recently that um, actually with the money he spent, he could have given every American a million dollars. I've got it. Let's put it up yeah. on the screen. It, when I read it uh, tonight on social media, it kind of all became clear. Bloomberg spent $500 million on ads, U.S. population $327 million. Uh, don't tell us if you're ahead of us on the math. He could have given each American $1 million and have had lunch money left over. It's an incredible way of putting it. It's an incredible way of putting it. It's true. It's disturbing. It does, it does suggest, you know, what we're talking about here, which is there, there's too much money in politics. Um, I'm sorry. I know it's cheap, but that clip is just so perfect because she completely makes up nonsense. He accepts the nonsense that got, got by producers and directors. I've got two guys in this room. They do better fact checking. God bless you guys. And you know what? You both can have Chipotle for lunch today. Um, Bloomberg spent 500 million on the campaign. That's what they were saying. There's 327 million Americans. So I'm just math in my head. It's basically like, I don't know, you give everybody a dollar 50, not a million dollars each. And they let that run and nobody corrected it. MSNBC, they've leaned so far forward. They actually fell into the bottomless pit. There you go. Uh, I enjoyed today's show. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Uh, part one of my interview with Ariel Scarcella is up in honor of LGBTQ LMNOP Pride Month. Uh, she is a card carrying lesbian. They get a card when you become a lesbian, they give you a laminated card uh, and she left the left. Um, so what's it like for a lesbian to leave the left? Find out uh, if you check our YouTube channel. Of course, the full episode is already up ad free at rubinreport.locals.com. And that's it for me. We're gonna scarf down some, uh, some Chipotle and then I'm headed Got about an hour drive. I'm going to do the Babylon Bee podcast. Uh, and of course the Babylon Bee is a satire website, which the New York Times, I think has several times called like right-wing fake news media machine, which is just sort of hilarious. So be on the lookout for that. Oh, and I also did the, uh, I did the Ruthless podcast yesterday with Comfortably Smug and his crew, if you're familiar on the Twitter machine, and they just posted that this morning, so you can check that out. Uh, anyway, some good stuff's happening. Like, we just gotta keep pushing. Just keep pushing, keep pushing, keep your head on straight. We're gonna be all right. All right, have a great day, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubinreport.locals.com.